You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Strange Familiars. How are you this evening, Allison? I'm swell. You're swollen? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm swole. I'm swole. <laughs> Lifting all those books around at Alpatwitch Day. There you go. There's a segue. That's a nice segue. I want to thank everybody who came out to Alpatwitch Day. And I want to apologize if I seem like not all the way there. Because I'm so pulled from place to place on Apple Twitch Day, and it's very busy, and I'm meeting a ton of people, and I, I can't always make the connection between, like, online screen name or, or name I've seen online and real-life person. The last thing I want to do is, is come off like I'm being a snob or, like, I don't care. Or I'm, I'm overwhelmed with happiness, usually, on Apple Twitch Day, and I'm really stunned by the number of people who come out, the number of strange, familiar shirts I see. A number of listeners that come out and say hello. So I hope I don't appear to be ungrateful or rude or anything. It's just an amazing experience. At the same time, it's super busy. I'm signing books. I'm talking to people. I'm signing prints. I'm giving my talk, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a wonderful day. I want to thank everybody who came out. I wish I had more time to spend with everybody that was there. But that's the nature of Alpatwitch Day. It's a busy, busy day. But I had a great time. And even Allison was there. <laughs> People got to see Allison. The Allison fan club had a heavy presence that day. That's what happens when you pay people. <laughs> Checks are forthcoming. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking with Ron. Ron is a member of the Blackfoot Confederacy, and he's going to share some Blackfoot folklore and spiritual beliefs, some things like creation tales, plus his own experiences. There's one he starts off with, with talking owls. I recorded two really long conversations with Ron. Enough for many. I think we're going to do a two-part episode, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll have a, another couple episodes with Ron down the line. 
Really amazing stories. I think everybody's going to love them. Before we get into that, though, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for your help. Without you, we could not make Strange Familiars. If you like what we do, if you like the content we make, and you'd like to get more, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different tiers of support there, and there's different billing options. You can do monthly billing. You can do yearly billing. Whatever tier you choose, whatever billing option you choose, you're helping us make Strange Familiars. And our patrons get two full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month. Those are exclusive to our patrons. We've already done one for October. We're going to do at least one more. We'll see. It's spooky month. We'll come up with more content. We'll see. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, let's go ahead and hear the beginning of my conversation with Ron. We're talking with Ron tonight. How are you doing, Ron? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You emailed me, and, and you had a few stories you wanted to share. You said you were Native American or uh, heritage, correct? Yeah, from the Blackfeet tribe in Montana. And is that where you're located still? Yes. Do all these stories basically take place in that area? Most of them do. There's some that take place in Oregon. I went to an Indian school up there, and then my mother had a house, a rental house up there too, which got some stories in that place too. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, most of these do. One of them takes place in uh, Ozman, Montana, at the college over here. It's a pretty old college. Yeah, one of them takes place there. But for the most part, most of them are on the rest. You know, coming from, obviously, from outside of your culture, was this, uh, you know, the paranormal or what we call the other on the show, was this something that was kind of commonly talked about when you were growing up, or was it something that was avoided? No, no, we we talked about it just like how anybody else talks about dogs. Oh, look at that dog's chasing out of them. You know, it's just like that. It's no big deal. It's just how it is. <laughs> you know, they tell you, to, they warn you as a kid about a lot of things. You know, don't whistle at night is one of them. And that's got a lot of repercussions. I mean, geez, it's, you know, <laughs> you just don't do that where we're from. And so there's other little things, too, that you, you do that are basically common sense as a kid. Like, as an adult would say, it's common sense, but a kid might not think so. So they're told anyways, don't pick something up from the graveyard. Don't pick something up from here or there. Sorry, my dog bullet here is somebody. So anyways, you don't. Know, like that, and you don't hang your clothes out overnight on the, the clothes wire, you know. You bring them in before the sun goes down. Interesting. Yeah, and if someone calls your name at night, you don't answer. You just keep going. If you're in some place really haunted, they tell you spit and say, don't follow me before you leave. That one's odd. So I think about that. So I've walked in a couple different worlds here now. The reservation world and all that entails. In the military, and all that tells us, in the Marines, the Army, and the National Guard, is the infantrymen. And then there's like the academia side and the, what you would call the normal life out here. So I don't know where I'm going with all this, but what I'm saying is a lot of the stuff that happens ain't just superstition. <laughs> I look at it from the whole view, like spectrum, if you will, of, of what I've lived and what I've experienced and that spitting thing. Because I got something to do. Okay, so the energy in, in you just spitting, is, it leaves a part of you right there. Mm -hmm. 
Does that instead baffle the spirit, I guess, and make them stick around to that spot and they don't follow you because you've also given them a command to don't follow them? Right. And it works. Nothing follows you home. You know, we do it all the time. We go on ghost walks. It's a ghost town right up here where they have ghost walks. So ghost mining. It's mm-hmm. called Virginia City. Montana. You, can, you can go on the ghost tour yourself. And they bring you all around. There's an interesting story up there about a devil dog. That's the one. You can rent that place and stay in there. Ooh. Yeah, so, I mean, ghost hunters, there you go. I love it. I encourage you to come. <laughs> uh, by all means, you know, that's, that's, that's your thing. Go ahead. But anyways, uh, growing up, yeah, we, we're told things. And, you know, we're all born atheists, right? We have to be taught these things. We mm-hmm. don't know that. We're not born with this inherited, you know, knowledge of things. So a lot of your view in life is in the world is shaped by experiences, and these are some of mine growing up. I went out and, you know, the first time I heard on a plane going to boot camp, I said, hey, hey dog, what? You know, you don't call anybody a dog where I'm from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of an odd thing to live in, but also at the same time, I think a lot of the experiences, because I'm just like everybody else, you know, you were taught these things, you go through them, you have experiences, and then over time, you finally realize, hey, there's a little something more to this. And there was times where I thought to myself, what else is there? Is mm-hmm. there anything? Didn't know. But over time, like uh, that brings me to my very first experience. Was, as a little kid, I'd say about four or five years old, and my folks were alcoholics. Boy, they drink. They could fight. And then I'd get with my uncles, and they'd fight. They'd drink. Jesus. So the older kids, my cousins, which I call my sisters, they would take care of us. It was one of these nights, they had a little tiny one-bedroom house in the kitchen. Jesus, all those adults would pile in that kitchen. They pretty much stayed at that living room. Usually those older girls would watch TV and they would try. I don't know what they'd do, but we'd all pile in that back room. They usually kept us in there, especially when the fights would start. Because that little tiny rickety floor, you could feel it. <laughs> Even when they're dancing, they feel they they bust out dancing every now and then too. So one of these nights, I remember, you know, I was really an adventurous kid. You couldn't stop me from nothing. I'd go anywhere, I'd do anything. And so that's what happened. I knew if I didn't get out that door, because all those men went rushing out, and this is out the ordinary. Either they're dancing, or they're fighting, or they're laughing. Or crying and telling sad stories, but they're never all stampeding out that damn door. And that's what got my attention. So I remember this as a little kid because they used to play around up there. And I was always in trouble because they're telling me not to go places, you know, get out of there. Jeez, I thought that was my name for a while. Get out of there. But <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, they all go stampede. Now there's an old light out there by this barn, the kind of tack shed barn thing. There was some histories. Well, there was a, a red one, I remember. I think there might have been another one. I'm not too sure. But I remember this big red one there. When I come running out, because I got a good look, boy, and I'll never forget this. As I bailed off that porch and I went running, man, I almost stumbled, but I caught myself. And as soon as I did, I looked, and I got an eyeful of this. And I see my Uncle Dale reaching up, and he picked up this old hose that they used for siphoning. And I hear him cussing like he'd cuss those boys, and those boys get in trouble. You know, those older ones. And he sends up, you know, get out of here. And it just carried on like that. And I see my Uncle Bill next to him, his older brother, same thing. And same with James, same thing. Uh, what is this? And then I heard it. There were old men talking in them. You know, 
I don't know who it's gonna. I don't know. That's all I could hear. That they're just talking Indian. It's really low. And I looked. Like, like where is that coming from? I looked over my uncle's heads, and shh, there they were. There was just about seven, eight owls <laughs> sitting on top of that horse trailer talking Indian. What? Yeah, and my uncles were chasing them off because they said they're bad. As I got an eyeful of this and I was watching what they were doing, because I didn't know what they were doing. Boy, I got yanked out there, you know, like those old movies with the cane where you get yanked off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> My mom grabbed me, get in that house, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I got an eyeful of this, Tim. I seen this. My eye, I, I was small, but I seen this. Wow. It's the first time I ever seen anything like that in my life. And I don't know what they're saying or what, were they talking to each other? Were they talking to my uncles? I have no idea, but the men used to go outside that house and, you know, his bathroom right out there, outside the house on the corner, and I imagine someone heard them, <laughs> ran in and told the men, and they all stampeded out to chase them off. It's no different than those stories you hear those old women when there's something that will come in their house. You always hear them, they say they'd take a broom after them, mm-hmm. <laughs> chase them out. And that's like what I see my place doing, but just a generation down from them. Did they just look like natural owls? Yeah, just regular owl. There was nothing wrong with them. Wow. So that was the first time. That wasn't the first time that I heard of those owls talking. It was the first time I seen them and heard it myself. And I never, ever since then heard an owl. Other animals, yeah, but not an owl. That was the only time. And see, I'm still to this day confused about that because the owls say that they're just messengers, you know. They'll bring you a message. And that's the other part. I can't fault my uncles because they know way more about all of those things than me. <laughs> so they chased them for a reason. And I don't know what that reason is to this day. But also I was taught by my grandpa, don't be afraid. They're just messengers. You don't have to be afraid of them. Everybody's afraid of them. You don't have to be. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and just to make his point, one time my little niece asked, Grandpa, is it bad luck to shoot an owl? Said, oh, yeah. It's bad luck for that owl. (laughs) (laughs) So, see, I'm at a loss for that. Maybe you got answers with all the things you've heard. Like, what were they saying that day? And who was the message for, right? You know what I'm saying? It's it's really odd. Yeah, but it it was, in other words, it was was human language. You didn't understand it. They were talking Indian, and it was too low for me to understand what they were Mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. But they sound like old men. Oh, wow. Yeah, owls don't normally sound like that, for sure. Yeah, there's a few of them out there, too, that were on top. And those uncles, like I said, chased them off. Were they successful at chasing them off? Did they fly off? Or? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because when they came back in that night, I remember still being in that room and getting in trouble. You stay in there and don't come out. And they shut that door, but I could hear them talking out there. The door is paper thin. And that they were all talking. And, yeah, I don't know. How to... Yeah, but we made sure they got the hell out of there. I don't know where my pistol was. You know, you hear talk like that. That's all I remember. And, and that memory is gone of that whole time after that. that. Like, that's just a snapshot of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I don't remember. It was someone ever. Do you, you remember know, for, about how old you were when this happened? Sat here and tried to think about it. It was the same time I was in Head Start. So that's fourth grade. Okay. I mean, four years old. I'm sorry. I'm oh, yeah. Four, four years four old. Years old so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I had to be four years old. And, I don't think it was any later than that, because I remember I, I still had braids. <laughs> and, and I that's when it was the time, was when I had 
Yeah, so I was really young yet. But there's another one about these owls. I don't know what they want. I don't know why they do that. Because, okay, so a long time ago, I remember those rotary phones. You can stretch you out. I'm, I'm 45 years old now, for anyone that's curious. So here's this long cable, geez, that would stretch out anywhere in your house. If you had one of those, you were rich. <laughs> you talk anywhere in your house. You have to stand right there by that damn rotary phone, whenever you want. So my sister has her phone stretched out to on the front porch. We were out at my grandpa's house on the front porch, and my sister was talking on her phone. It was stretched out like that, and my dad had come out because he used to drink in town, but he'd come out to the country to sober up. And this is 15 miles out, and we got a neighbor that you could see to the south of us. You can't see anybody to the the walkways. And so she's out here talking, and my dad's out there sobering up, sleeping. It's in the evening. Again, there's another outside light on this little hill right outside my grandpa's house. Just a little knoll. And my dad's sleeping right there, and she's out there. She's got a kitchen chair out on the front porch, and she's talking to her boyfriend. Well, I wasn't there that night, but they were telling everybody about it the next day. And she comes running in because I asked my dad, and this is his version. Dad, what happened? He said, well, I was laying there, and she come running in and jumped on me. He said, and it kind of hurt, and it scared me. He says, I didn't know what to do, and I just see my, my girl was scared. So I got up, and I went toward that door, and I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was ready to fight. I didn't know. I said, so I walked up that front door, and I looked, and there was nothing around. I said, so I looked right back at her, and I said, what is it, Jess? And she, she, he said, oh, she, she, he said, she couldn't even talk. She was just pointing to that door. So he went out further, looked around on the sides of that, and you know, went back in. And finally she calmed down enough, and she said, Dad, I was sitting there talking, and one owl flew up on the other side of that handrail as we walk off the porch. That one flew up, and it landed right there. And Dad, it started talking Indian to me. I just ran in here and told you. I didn't know what else to do. It scared me. I just ran in here and jumped on you. Wow. Yeah, that's the other time. Now, we might ask ourselves, what are these? So I'll tell you, the owls will tell you they're spirits. Like, they're not physical. Like, Well, that's really a uh, touchy, weird area. Because a spirit can be physical. It can do physical things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they chased them away, I was out there to see if they, you know, on the other side of the, at my uncle's, if they had hit any of them with a rock or with that hose. I didn't get to see any of it. I suspected to some reason if they tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just my suspicion, but yeah, they're spirits. I don't know what they want. I don't know why they do that. Because we even looked after that. Did anything happen to us after that time? Like, no. Nothing. Because no. we wonder, what's the message? What are you trying to say? Right, right. There are other messages to listen for that we've grown up you know, kind of paying attention to. And one of them is when all your dogs just start howling in a neighborhood. When they all do that, man, death is around. Mm. It's sad because it's true. It's really, I don't know how that works, why it works, but and dogs really howl when, someone, when it's that time. Someone goes and makes a journey, you know, they, me and my friend Mark, we always heard that growing up. And we're walking and went up to another one of my friend's house and it was kind of cold. And it was calm, and I just remember all of those dogs just bark. Remember what they say? He said, yeah. What do you think about that? He says, I don't know. I don't even think about it. 
you know, we were in middle school at the time. We finally get up to our friend's house, and that's the Civil War. Visit, don't think much about it. I remember going to sleep on that couch or watching movies. I went to sleep, and it wasn't about 3, 2, 3 in the morning. I don't know how, but somebody got worried. They woke us up and told us all that one of my friends died. Mm. You know, right before that. And so, see, things like that. Could it be a coincidence? Maybe. Because yeah. not every time that I could remember in my life I heard a ball you know, go off like that, that something happened. But it is a thing, <laughs> I think. Yeah. It seems yeah. true. You know? I don't know why, but it does. I mean, the, the so, thing about this old wisdom that's passed down and it becomes folklore, it becomes, you know, whatever it is. So often there is at least, you know, something true in it. Like, I think sometimes it gets exaggerated over time and maybe less so when it's handed directly down, right? So you're getting it directly from your parents and, and your grandfather and so forth. So maybe less so them, maybe more so in books, it gets exaggerated and, and stuff. But there seems to be like some essential truth to it. I've just found over and over again that our ancestors just had ways of dealing with the stuff that they probably learned, you know, from their ancestors. You know what I mean? It's just been passed down over time and there, there's, there's something to it, I, you know, and I, I can't really explain why, but I think it's just that they've learned over, you know, however many hundreds or thousands of years and they're just passing down, you know, hey, we know this, you know, here you go. I've always thought the same thing. Like, they've had a technology. I call it a technology, you know, spirituality, if you will. Sort of a technology. They had this way. Like, if you can relate to people today and how today, how people talk. Well, the elders had a technology of sorts that they used to do things and to make sense of the world, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like for one, so I went to college and I'm learning things, right, and sciences and whatever. You're doing the core classes, you learn all that stuff, so... One of the things I thought fascinating was one of our creation stories go like this is I'll skip all of it and get to this one specific part. The creator's first wife in this version of the story, she got corrupted by the snake. Long story short, the creator did away with that snake. She wanted to get revenge by killing his seven sons, particularly the young one, his favorite. And that was to get back at her for the creator killing her uh, what would you call him? Chippy. <laughs> <laughs> and so she chases him and she goes up into the sky as they're, he does all these things. Like he gives one of the kids a bladder of water and he throws it and it makes an ocean. He gives another one a rock. He throws it and makes a mountain range. Another one a, a twig and it makes a big giant forest. Things like this, obstacles that get in their way. Finally, he gave her the equal amount of power as him almost, but nothing. In this whole creation is more powerful than the creator. So he was able to strip her. And how he did it was when they all went up, when there was nowhere left to go and it was just water, they were all going up like that. He stopped and he threw his hatchet and cut his leg off. Well, when he threw that hatchet and it wounded her, he was able to start stripping her of all those powers that he gave her. And his punishment is, he said, your punishment is going to be to stay here and nothing is going to grow from you anymore, you know, like it was when it was the earth and she was growing all these things. That was his punishment. And so to this day, the moon is, you know, geologically dead. You know, it's not doing anything up there. Who knows what it's doing, but it's not providing life anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that happen? 
Well, the latest theory is that, you know, a meteor the size of Mars maybe struck the Earth and it formed itself over here again. And, you know, over time it just clumped, clumped, it was an accretion distance, clumped, and it made itself into me over a long time. And then the Earth kind of hid itself too and became round again. But that's the theory. And, and when I first learned that, I'm like, wait a minute now. So these elders already said that's what happened. Right. Science yeah. is just now getting to it. What we call science. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of a technology now. You know, maybe this goes down that whole thing of, well, you hear folklore, I hear history. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I've been clear about folklore as a term. To my mind, I think so many people think well, that's folklore equals fiction, and I'm very clear about it. Like, no, no, it's not. It's something different. There may be fictional elements to it, but it's really knowledge that's being passed down. And it seems like it's in story form, so people don't forget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's far easier like to rem- said, remember a story than a bunch of facts. Right, like in a book. Like mm-hmm. the I hate to say it like this because we're always taught that, you know, if you write it down, these historians, like, yeah, but that can be translated and the true one can lose its meaning just if you went to a different language mm-hmm. alone. Sure. So in our language, you say, I'm going to, you know, if you say I'm going to slap you, you're telling someone that. It, literally how it translates is I'm going to stick my hand inside your head. <laughs> <laughs> what did that mean? Right. Well, that meant, look, I'm going to give you a whack. To where you're going to change your thinking and you're going to act straight. Mm. <laughs> so how, how do you translate that to, like, you were trying to get that and you were trying to read it. Right. Trying to translate it. Yeah, well, like, you'll lose the meaning of it. Yeah, you need the cultural context, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, like, I think a lot of these stories have a lot of truth to them. I mean, I'm talking like the, the, the creation stories, the... Because there's a lot in there, but there's a lot in there. I mean, it's so much. We have stories of a giant serpent and a hero getting rid of them. We have stories of of the great floods. We have stories of giant wolves. You know, all these things. We have stories of them. We have stories of when the wolf took pity on us and taught us a bunch of things, like how to hunt. There was more animals that did at the same time. They were the first ones that gave us any gifts. And they say that those spirits, they were those animals, they said when they first looked at those people, they said, look, there was a lot of them in there that never seen a human before. <laughs> this first time that they seen. And I'll just go ahead and tell the story. So a big group of Blackfeet were there. Well, we, we say Blackfeet, just Indians, indigenous in general, just whoever those people were at the time. Because the story is so old. And... As they were camped, they were still living off the buffalo and stuff like that. But uh, the buffalo moved. All the game moved. There was no game anywhere. And they, at first, people thought, ah, don't worry, we got enough stores. We can last. Well, winter approached quick, and they ran out. And they realized, well, we can't live like this. We got to go. So they left to go find the buffalo. One family stayed. White Eagle stayed. His family said, I'm going to wait for him. I'll wait here. His family stayed with him while... He said, I think they're going to come back. And they starved. They were so weak, they couldn't even climb out of their, their little beds they had. You know? They couldn't even climb over to the fire or nothing. Just then, there was three wolves up there on top of that butte. There was a spotted wolf, black wolf, and big wolf. And those three seen what 
was at lodge and that fire in it that night. And so they got closer, and when they peeked in, he was and this guy starving, and they they ran back up to their dad's lodge. Spotted Wolf, he was the main chief at the time. I mean, of the predators, he is the main chief. I wouldn't say at the time he still is. So Spotted Wolf, they go and tell him he's chief of all predators that are up to camp. And he says, "Is that right? Well, here, take this meat down to him at once." You see, and it back down and give it to him. And so they ran back down to give it to him, and when they did, they had to make them, and Spotted Wolf told them to make yourself human, so, you know, they won't be afraid of you when you're going, so they went, made themselves human, and they knocked on that door like that, you know, just kind of grab the teepee flap and ruffle it, that's a knock, and so they do that, and they look in there, they, they tell them to come in, but they're scared, they're weak, they're scared, but they take that food. And how they look when they turn human was you can still see a resemblance of a wolf in them, but they are human. And then you see their bonnet that they have on, or head, yes, if you will, is just a wolf's head dried out and they put that on like that. Then they wear a robe. Each one wears a robe. That robe is of the wolf that they are too. The spotted wolf robe, you know, mm-hmm. black wolf robe, then the big gray wolf robe or Timbo, or whatever it is. And so that's how they looked to them. They were afraid, but they took them in. You know, slowly, they gained their trust because they kept trying to help them. And finally, Spotted with them, come, come on up, go down and bring them up, come to camp with us this winter. And so they did, and he came up, but they were scared. They just had to slowly get trust because those people knew they weren't real people, and they were scared of them. So they finally all get up there like that, and there's a spot in the center of this big encampment. And all those animals, because there's many up there. There's also the mountain lion, the lynx, the badger, fox, coyote, fox. I mean, it's all of these skunk. They're all up there. And so they're all into people, the people form. And one by one, the spotted wolf comes out and tells High Eagle, he says, these are all of us, and we're going to take pity on you. One by one, we're going to invite you into our lodge. We're going to have you feast, but we'll call you. I'll be the first to call you to come in, and you come into my lodge, and we'll bestow these gifts upon you of what we have to offer. And so he goes back to his lodge, and he tells his wife, you know, what's going on, his kids and everything, and what's going to happen. So he hears the call. How do you go? You know, come feast. And it was over to that first time. That first lodge spotted was telling him. He said, you know, and this is some of the humor that the spirits have. <laughs> he was telling him, no, we're all going to invite you or give you these gifts, but you're not to go into the badger or to the skunk. They stink. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go around them. <laughs> he goes to each one of them. They all talk to him. They give him what they do is they give him a lodge with paintings on it. And those are gifts, too. Some of them can have medicine, the spiritual kind, mm-hmm. you know, that those gifts that you get from them, where you're just at that point like a piece, uh, an extension of the creator. You're, they know those powers don't come from you. They come from the creator. It's you, you know, concrete on that. It's not the person. Uh, and so anyways, they give it all these gifts. So he gives them a lodge, gives them a bundle, and gives them a pipe, medicine pipe. And each one of these does that. And finally he gets to those skunks and his wives, you know, they end up telling him, just go hurry up. And so he goes and they give him gifts too. And 
you know, they kind of have a little bit of a laugh at it that <laughs> want him to go into all those other ones. But Spadiglov tells him finally toward the end of that winter, okay, after everybody's taught him everything that he needs to know, he says, you're going to give all these lodges away that we just give you. You're going to give them to all your people, but you're going to keep one, one lodge. And so they left. All those animals, they left. They turned back to animals, and they all headed out the wrong direction from that butte. They all headed out. Well, Spotted Wolf's son really liked White Eagle and started thinking of him as a father, you know, because he like, would turn into people and live with them. And he'd, the people liked him. You know, they all liked each other like that because they knew they were all good hearts. They all liked each other like that. So those other two that originally were with him when I first seen White Eagle, they were, come on, your dad on. She says, no, you tell him I'm going to stay. You know, I think of him as a father like that. I must stay. Okay, so they all left, and that was that. And Spotted Wolf stayed with those people as a human, and he even had kids. <laughs> you ever wonder about Dogman? I do. Hmm. <laughs> so he wasn't the only one. They said when they'd come back over time to that encampment, these others liked those people too. And one by one, they say all those animals come in like people. And even inter- intermarried into him and had kids hmm. and lived with the people. And when Spotted Wolf left, she pointed up to all these lights that led into a, a trail. And that's the Milky Way. And he pointed and he said, you see those lights? He said, that's us. And you're praying for these gifts, this power. He says, that's where you get your prayers. That's where we go. That's where we come from. We pointed up like that to our ending. To imagine the, the black hole, maybe, where that's at. But he put it up like that, too. You know, and that's what he said before she left. And like I said, over time, those wolves taught us how to hunt. They taught us, later on, they taught us about war. And so, the, like, a lot of the reasons that people are only here is because those animals took pity on them over all those times. Everything happening in a close yard with nature, the more you learn from them. You know, the further we get away from nature, the further they say you get away from the creator and all of that stuff, all that spiritual world. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing it anymore. You walled yourself off and your mind stops going that way. They say the further you're away from the creator, the further your mind gets off too. So you're never going to have that spiritual mind here as well. But instead, you might go toward things which are okay because that's your journey. You might go toward things like science, you know. And that's fine, but still, the one question remains, how does science describe the afterlife and going over? It can't, I don't know if it can. No. And if it can, it's going to have to be with like quantum mechanics. Right, yeah. In the future where we have an innate understanding of energy transfers on the smallest level ever. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and we understand what they're doing. Until then, I, I suspect we're never really going to know because... You can't tell somebody something that you've experienced if you expect them to believe you. Either they've had a similar experience and they, they're like, oh, wow, really? That's, you know, or they're always a skeptic on some level. Mm-hmm. And you know those, I always say this too, it's okay if you don't believe in those spirits because they believe in you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's okay. They don't hold it against you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, often people 
who find out what I do for a living or whatever with the podcast here, they'll say, you know, like, do you believe in that? And I'm saying, well, yeah, or I wouldn't be doing it, but, you know, I don't know how to quantify that in any way. And they'll say, well, I don't believe in that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. You know, I'm That's not, fine. yeah, I'm not trying to convince you. It's just, you know, I, the reality of it is apparent to me, but if it's not to you, I, you know, it's, I can't convince anybody. A lot of it's fun to speculate on, though, like with the stories we've heard and, you know, just like an analytical mind, if you will. And, like, I've heard of people talk about the bunny man. I mean, is this its origin, really, with these Indians? Way back when in a spiritual way, is this really what happened? I don't oh, you know. It's fun, yeah. to, it's fun to think about. Sure, it's yeah. It's really fun to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, and so many of these, like, you know, cryptids or these other weird things that people see are, are seem to be chimeras or whatever they would call them like half human half animal you know so yeah it does kind of speak to those old legends like that yeah i mean like and even when you think of it they say um you know like the the sun and and the earth is like our father and our mother in the sense that you know the earth makes everything you know grows from it and the sun provides all the energy and everything for all the plants everything the warmth everything take place the growth seasons whatever they all work to get that's your mother and our father, right? Like we're not saying like in the native way that because you know, I've heard us referred to as a sun culture even. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the sun that we're worshiping. Just like you ain't worship, you know, like others ain't worshiping, say a cross, right. right? It's not that. It's just a symbol of you know the creator mm-hmm. that we like to look at. But within that, within that mother and that father, well, within the mother, there are embryos of men plants, all these things, we're all related in that, that we're born from the same mother. So in this way, we respect every living thing that's natural, be it a rock, just be it, you know, a cloud, if you will, mm-hmm. a storm system moving in, you know, we'll respect that because it's its own embodiment. It does exist. You're looking at it and it's got energy of sorts, you know, it, the spirit that say a blade of grass has. It might not be the spirit we have to where we're conscious and aware of ourselves, but it does have energy. It does have a spirit. Like we believe there's a duality to everything, duality in, in all of this. There's you, a physical you, then a spiritual you. Same with everything in the world. I'm not talking like a, a shoe has got a spirit or something like that. You know, I'm talking like anything in nature mm-hmm. is how it is. So the whole universe, right? It's, it's fast, I and mean, we're just tiny. <laughs> one little spot, but remember, it's one little spot. These are related to everything out in that way that we're all energy. Right? And so that's how we believe is that. And if we thought more like that as a people, as a, as a society, you know, say we sat there and we really thought, gee, should we knock these sets of trees down? Should we really do this? You know, if they thought about it in that way of, well, you got to respect it as a, you know, because it's holy, we're all created like the same kind of way, if you want to think of it like that. Well, I don't say holy, I say like sacred, because we're all his creation, all of us. Mm-hmm. And if we were just to respect it in that way, it would be a lot better for everybody else, and not just the animals, but all of our generations, seven generations down, if we were to think that far down, with these respect for the world and for nature, and in that spiritual way, I think things would be better for that seventh generation. Oh, I I absolutely agree.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Because a lot of these spiritual things they did were solitary. You know, because your relationship with the Creator in our way is solitary. Mm-hmm. When you're going out to fast or you're sundancing, you're there by yourself. It's just you and the Creator, you know. And you're given what you have is just your body. That's it. That's all we have. We're giving up our body. We're, we're going without food and water for however long, four days, four nights is how it used to be. While you're dancing in the sun, it's a grueling thing. I've been to many of them. Mm-hmm. Those guys out there, they have it hard. But see, that's the thing. So I'm saying that's the only thing we can give. We can't give money. But the, he won't want that money, you know. Right. And, and the same with the prayers that are up on a pedestal. He doesn't care about the show, you know. You just say it quietly to yourself, wherever. That's what he cares about. He already knows what's in your heart before you even talk. Mm-hmm. The culture that you grew up in, you weren't moved. For instance, like the Cherokee were moved. Like you're in the area where your people originally were, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, the traditional area, hunting territory, before everything got shoved onto the res, was the Yellowstone down south. And then if you followed the Rocky Mountains all the way up into Canada, then you had the North Saskatchewan River up there was the northern border. And then to the east, it went the Yellowstone River mm-hmm. was the border on the east side. And so when it got pushed up. Now we're up near Glacier National Park in this little area there. But yeah, it did shrink, but we were, are still in the same area. So yeah, mm-hmm. answer your question, yes. We're still there. Yeah, I wonder if that helps preserve, you know, the culture and the stories and stuff a little bit more. It does. There's so many things around there. Like Cut Bank Canyon, 
I heard a story from this old man once, and he said, uh, he said, Rod, he said, do you remember the story of Mappy and the Buffalo? I said, yeah. And he says, I know where that cave's at. I said, what? He said, yeah, I know where that cave's at. He said, my grandpa showed me. He says, but where it's at right now, he says, the prototype's caved in. So I don't know what happened, but the whole part's caved in. Hmm. And so I've always wanted to go and, and find this place, maybe dig out that portal. Who knows what's in there? But so as the story goes, he hid all the buffalo from the Blackfeet in there. And that cave is apparently still there. It's just caved in. But I'm curious, what if we did go in there and we really did find those old, big old buffalo that they used to hunt in there? The big bones, the mm-hmm. huge bones. <laughs> It'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let me just move on here. So, like, the kind of second thing I wanted to experience I had, I guess, chronologically after the owls, after that took place, I was in fourth grade. That's where that Freudian slip came from earlier. I was in the fourth grade, and I had my appendix get infected on me, right? And it burst. I didn't know. Like I said, I was this crazy little kid. I always saw it, and I didn't want to miss the fair. So I toughened it out to the fair, and, geez, it broke. And I rode rides. I didn't care. I just, but anyways, I felt that when I got back, it was really bad. They didn't know. You know, I had, like, draining tubes coming out of me. I was poisoned and whatever, and yeah, it was pretty rough, but... I remember they did surgery and everything. I must have got it all cleaned out. But I'm laying in there. My, I don't know, my mom and them come in and finally seen me. But my dad said, Rod, he said, we went to those holy men. He said, uh, they helped you. He says, they sent, you know, sent help for you down. So don't worry about nothing. And like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. You know, we're always talking about they always, there's holy doings that go on. You know, you, you hear about them. And so I knew what he was saying. And, okay, and it kind of gave me some comfort. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, all right. Then, yeah, I was in a lot of pain. And so finally, uh, one night, I remember this nurse, before this evening, she said, uh, you know, once you get a little better, you can start kind of sitting up and kind of building your muscles again because they cut right through your hair and your stitches. Don't try to sit up now. They might rip them out and whatever. So I remember thinking on it, thinking, geez, I should just try to sit up. <laughs> I couldn't. Like, sleep paralysis couldn't sit up. But trying to sit up, like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Anyways, I didn't worry about it. I fell asleep, so I didn't worry about it. And then my dad, after I'm at the hospital, my dad said, hey, they want us to come back and to a thing called the night lodge. They're having a night lodge that night. They said, Rod, they want you to come in there, and uh, you know, they want to see you. And so I, I went back, and uh, what a night lodge is is um, – well, how this one was, was a house, an old house. Nobody lived in anymore. They would close the windows, you know, put like blankets or something over really. So nothing, no light, anything can get in there anywhere. And then they bury those off. You know, there's ways to bury them so nothing bad gets in there. Smudge clean out. The whole place is cleaned out so nothing bad can get in there. No bad spirits or anything. Well, you go in there and it's all set up and then they start opening there. Whatever they got, you know, it might be a pipe or you know, whatever they're bringing in there to pray with, with the people or to help or whatever's going on. And so it was one of these nights and I'm in there and uh, I go with my dad and I sit down. I remember there was a corner to my right and then right in front of me is the front door where we walk in since we were kind of some of the last ones getting in. Those are the only places left to sit because the more powerful and holy you are or, or like the, I guess it would be strength, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but you'd be closer over toward those holy men sitting closer that way. So we were over here, way over by the front door. And I'm sitting there like that, and I, I'm holding my dad. He's to the left of me, and we're sitting on the floor. 
backs up to the wall. And I remember leaning into him with my head into his shoulder. And I sucked up against that wall. And my right elbow was against the wall. So it was my back. So it was my left elbow. But my head was on my dad's shoulder. And I'm just leaning into him. Because they start singing like, they're loud. He's that one man that used to sing this. One man, he could sing louder than all of them. I don't know how he did that. But it was loud. And it, I could see them. Um, you know, the rattles do, do this thing where in the darkness, the rattle will light, depending on who, what it is. What, if it's one of these kind, but I've seen one in there, and there's one kind they light up when they shake them like these little tiny lightning bolts inside of them that go off. <laughs> like that, and they shake them. It's like a little lightning bolt in there. And you see it flash, but you don't get to see. It's not that kind of light. It's not a real light like how you guys know. It's not like that light that makes like a flashlight and you can see everything. Now this light's contained. It doesn't cast shadows, doesn't light anything up, it just stays put. Hmm. It's one of the strangest things you ever see if you're ever invited to one and you could just see them light up like that. Those are going off and I can hear them all singing in there. I'm just being hey, you know, as a kid you gotta behave when you're in this. I see my dad being quiet. You can open your eyes but you can't see nothing. So I just keep mine closed and I just pray. Just say thank you for helping me. You know, I just keep saying that. And anyways, you could hear that rattle left from that spot where all those men were at. They start going around that house, come by that front door. And I kept thinking, geez, I wonder how they can see in the dark, that rattle. Come this in front of me, and then it went back. Around to my left is because the wall we're sitting on, the other side, that's an old kitchen. So that rattle went back behind there on the other side of the wall. And it was on the other side of the wall. I could hear it, and it tapped me through the wall. And it tapped me twice. Right through the wall, I moved my elbow, and I got real close to my dad. I said, because he could hear me, and I said, Dad, that rattle touched me. He said, oh, it's okay. Hmm. <laughs> so that was the second kind of thing that ever happened to me in my life, was when I was giving thanks for that. And when it was done, and that they, they start talking again, and the spirits left. They start talking again. First thing he said was, Jimmy, he said, the spirits are really glad to see your boy here. You know, they're, they're happy to see him doing good. Thank you. And that's all he said. Hmm. He went on to talking about all his other stuff to other people. So, yeah, that was the second time that I kind of had that, you know, anything paranormal like that go on. So right. these experiences shape me. So see, look, this is why it's nothing to us. Oh, yeah, that dog ran over there. Oh, that spirit was knocking all night. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go on a little further, boarding school, that Blackfeet boarding school in Browning, whew, that place is it's pretty creepy. But honestly, I didn't really get spooked too much down there. But my cousin Gary, that's the saying, this is the next thing that happened, is uh, I was walking down by the bathroom one night. I seen Gary sitting there looking all funny. I didn't pay no mind. Well, it struck me as odd, but I just used to laugh at him going back through him. John Gary, he's older than me. No. He said, you know, I had my bed right here last night when I went to sleep because I put it in this corner because I like to sleep in that light that comes from that bathroom. Are you scared of him? I said, yeah. He said, but look, this is where it's at when I wake up. And it's on the other side of the room, like the opposite corner, in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he wakes up. It's like shoved in the closet, right? Like the closets are big and wide, so the bed's just like shoved in there. And that's, that's 
help me move this. I'm like, all right. I was kind of scared to go in there, but I helped him. I moved it back over there. And as I helped him, I sat down by him because he looked scared. And I said, well, should I stay in here with you tonight? He said, no. Well, he says, but this is the second time it's happened. He said, you didn't tell anybody? No. Well, what would you do? He said, should I just move my bed back? but yeah that was another odd time and that's that same time uh, this guy would sleepwalk constantly he used to freak us out if he'd come out of that back room and just walk down that thing like where in the hell we would not follow him they told us I don't know who brought it up somebody did they said hey don't wake those kind of people up man just stay away from them that's what we did but he would walk and it would scare us like one time I remember just to try it, I hid really low, and I put up a little booby trap. Casey tried to rush me, but I was like, calling his name. Hey, hey, you know, I'd say his name and nothing. His eyes were just straight walking toward that back door. Yeah, so anyways, that was kind of odd about that place. Yeah, my, my brother used to sleepwalk. It was a freaky thing. So what Bucky woman was, okay, so there's this house in Oregon, Salem, Oregon. My mom had rented this house, and I was going to school in Chihuahua, which is just in the same city of Salem. But, like, my, I had, like, two or three other aunts that lived in Salem, too. Some of my aunts went off to res and lived off, and this was one of the cities just happened to be the same city that Chihuahua was, and kind of lucked out on that. But my mom moved off to res and was renting this one house. It looked pretty cool. I think this older white house, and it was just nice. And it could fit us all well. She said when she first walked in there, she seen a nun at the top of those stairs. And she said, yeah. She took it as a good element, didn't really think nothing of it, and walked out. You know, because we're, well, you said we're natives, right? You know, you see things like that, you know. It's not the end of the world to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Well, anyways, that's what she sees. And then over time, my niece, uh, my sister, my brother, and her two kids were staying there, my mom and I. And... One night, my niece got in trouble, and she got sent upstairs. And when she went upstairs, she's sitting on this chair looking out the window toward this big tree and talking to somebody. Me and my brother could hear her talking. And what we made out was, yeah, my mom's just mean. She's just mean. I just want you to take me away from here. Like, what? Who is she? That's all we heard, and we get up to the top, and we look. As soon as we look, she turns her head so slow toward us. It was like something out of the horror flicks, really slow and looks at us. As she's turning and looking, she doesn't flinch at all. But that window slams down so hard and so violent that it made me and my brother jump. But that wow. hurt. She just sat there like nothing. Oh, wow. When that happened, my sister was coming up the stairs and she was holding the baby. And I run down to grab him just to get him out of there. And my brother ran too, and because I knew my sister was coming up to get, you know, my niece. So I just ran down to the bottom of the stairs and let her go up to go get Bobby. But she, she went in and got her and everything and backed up a little more. Earlier that day, my brother and I, we were trying to open that window, that same window. And there's like old paint and it's kind of old, you know. To get it up, you really got to fight to unlatch it, and then you push it. It took me and my brother put my shoulders under it, and then standing up just to wedge it up. But it was so hot up there that we didn't care if it was open all night. Yeah, we really did. It was so hot in there. And so we pushed it up with our shoulders, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if we're getting this down. We might break the window, like, trying to close this because of how hard we're Because we were trying to open up as far as we could, and it was wedged shut. 
So that was another reason we were so scared when we ran back down. And, you know, it just freaked us out because it was like gunshot going off. Mm -hmm. Loud. And she didn't even flinch. She was only three. And so later on, she told me a story. She said, Uncle, this woman comes and visits me at night. I said, yeah. Well, who is she? She's Bucket Woman. I said, okay. So how does Bucket Woman look? So well, she's got this bucket on her head, and she's magic. I said, yeah. How is that? She can make these little balls of light float around in the air. Hmm. I said, really? I said, well, what else does she do with them? Like, she can make them colors, too, different colors if she wants. I said, yeah. Well, what else? I said, well, kind of scared of them, though. Why? Like, scared of her? Yeah. But why is that? She, well, she... When she comes, I always give her a hug. And when she came, she was talking last night, I'm going to say. She, when she came last night, I told Daniel, look, it's her. She said, okay, give her a hug. She's got magic. And Daniel scared her. And I said, it's okay, just go ahead. And when he hugged her, he had blood on his hands. And so I had to bring him down to that bathroom down there and wash his hands off. And he scared of her. Hmm. And then Daniel, Daniel, he's like barely walking. He's like one years old. So anyway, these are the stories that come from her. And then there were some foster kids that came in there too and my mom could hear him upstairs like talking to someone and then she said it sounded like they were being flopped around on the bed i don't know that's all she said and she said she'd check on them to make sure they're okay and they'd be awake but they wouldn't want to say anything to her huh. about anything so that place was odd and in that same room where those kids were at it's upstairs there's this compass on the floor painted on the floor looked like a compass you know i could see what it's supposed to be but what it looked like it was a pentagram <laughs> i don't know that's what it looked like to me and my mom tried to paint over it because it was a black floor but their pentagram was like this i don't know like a red mm-hmm. orange ish and she'd paint over it and it wouldn't even be long man and then that thing would come right back Maybe it's the paint she was using was really cheap and it was really good paint that was already down. I have no idea, but she painted over it three times and it would just fade back in. Hmm. Just left it alone, threw a rug over it. But there's a closet up there that my uncle would not go in anymore. He used to store things in there, but he would not go in there. He crawled out there one time, like with the fear of God in his, you know, soul, and he just crawled out. He, I wasn't there as at school, but my mom told me, he was like, yeah, and he was kind of disturbed by it, you know, kind of got quiet for a while. But to this day, I mean, I never knew him. He wouldn't talk about it. He passed away already, but yeah, he, he never did tell me what he'd seen in there. I asked him, too. He wouldn't he just shake his head. Huh. Did the bucket woman thing ever resolve? No, we moved out of that place. I don't know what happened to her. So it, it didn't follow or anything once you moved? No, no. Like nothing happened after that. It never followed us. It mm-hmm. was, I think, bound to the house. We got somehow. tied to the house, yeah. Huh. Because, yeah. you know, when you, we believe, like, when you pass, like, you know, there's a few things that can go wrong, I guess. One of them is being stuck here, right? I think that might, might have been what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like there's no hope for them, you know? It is really just taking time to get over if that's what they're supposed to do. You know, some of those really bad ones. So like a lot of times, like, we're getting spooked. You should just pray for them, too, you know? When you're praying for yourself and for protection and everything, but ask for those bad ones. Like, you know, it's a you know, they take pity on it. 
mm-hmm. take it into your to the light, take it home with you. It's suffering over look. What it's doing. You know, it's not good here. Take it back. You know, something like that. I've actually done that once when I was you know, being constantly bothered at this warehouse I used to work at. Constantly. <laughs> it was to the point where I was getting frustrated, like getting annoyed, you know, with the thing that kept bothering me in there. But I did that eventually. It came to a head and I finally just got rid of it. But I mean, it's a whole long story too. Should we go into that one? Yeah. This thing, I know its name, but I won't say it no more. Because when I did it, it would show up. <laughs> That's kind of partly how I knew it needed help. Ah. You know, because it was stuck there. How did you learn its name? Well, there's an old guy that works at the other side of the warehouse. There's two warehouses joined. One's a flooring, one's a furniture warehouse. I ran the flooring side, the other guy ran the furniture side. And he talked about a guy that committed suicide there that used to work there. Mm. He didn't commit suicide on the place, but he used to work there. And he told me his name. And after I'd say his, that name, then act up every time. Start acting up. Ah, uh, okay. And it, and it was just to the point where, okay. It pushed me. That's what I'm saying. It pushed me. So that's what I, I guess I took action. I got tired of it. Okay, so um, how it starts is kind of like just odd things. I would sit in the entrance going to the furniture side. There was this little outlet there, so I'd get close to that. I'd have to be putting edging on rugs. Like people would order some rugs. I'd put the binding, the edging on them. Mm-hmm. And I was making a set of rugs one night for an order, and I kept seeing him peek around that corner. And how he'd make himself look is like a black thing with the shadow that's how he'd look but i could see his head on a corner of my eye i just stopped come on man but the first time it happened i didn't know i sat there and i waited okay i've seen it go back i didn't look directly i just still stopped where i was looking and just kept using my peripheral okay i did see that uh, i keep working i did it again and i seen it again so i looked like yeah all right, it's there. There is something there. I ain't nuts. It's there. So it kept doing that. Those are the little things it would do. And finally one night it kept doing that and just kept doing that. And I said, why do you keep making me look at you or try to look at you? I know you're there. I mean, I know you're there. You keep looking at me and peeking around that corner. Are you trying to be creepy? I mean, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I got a lot of work here to do. If you want, you can join me and help me get some of this done so I can get home. I know you're there. You know, that's how I got with it. I was getting annoyed. And so it stopped, but bothering me that night. And then another day I'm there, and I'm walking, and I'm, I can't remember what I'm doing, but I'm looking for something, and I'm walking down this aisle, and I get a bunch of carpet on the right side of me. And I keep hearing this sound. I'm like, what is that sound? Like, God, I hope another gopher didn't get in here and was chewing on plastic or something, yeah. Because I heard plastic ruffling, so it sounded like to me, I'd look. When I'd look for it, it would disappear. Like, what the? And it kept happening like three, four times. And finally, the last time I was across the warehouse, looking across up at this big rack, and about a 300 pound roll of carpet with about 300 pounds of stuff on top. It's like two, two small rolls with like three little ones on top of that, because I had to just cram it in there. And I had this big one on the bottom, but that big one on the bottom was twisting all by itself, man. 
like at the bottom of that rack with all that weight on it, just twisting. I watched it, and as soon as I looked at it, it twisted for a little bit longer, and stopped. Like, how is that even possible? I was looking at it, like, how did that happen? Like, because if it rolled, everything else would rolled with it. No, it just made the one thing roll. I don't know how it did that. But anyways, so as I'm sitting there one day, I just unloaded all of this wood that came in, took the forklift, and I crammed for space, so I stacked it one pallet higher than I, than I usually do. And I make sure it's all safe. I get out and pushing it. I start the forks in case it does fall. It won't tip. And, you know, I'm doing all these precautions. And so I set it there, and I walk off, park the forks, and I'm starting to check it all in, put it into the system. And my God, that whole pallet just fell and busted everywhere. I mean, the whole thing just exploded. I put my head down. I thought, oh my God, what did I do? Did I, how did I stack that wrong? I tested it. I pushed on it. What did I do? I mean, it was so bad that I heard those boards skid all the way across that warehouse and hit over by this other bay door on the whole opposite end. It was that much force. So I get up to go look and think, oh, man, I'm just going to start slow and pick it up, I guess. I walk around that corner and that damn pallet's still standing there tall. There's no boards spilt everywhere. I just heard nowhere. The whole floor is clean. It's all clean. Nothing happened. So that shook me up. That actually made me smudge when that happened. That was kind of creepy. Was thinking, oh, it's obvious. It needs something. I'm thinking, I know what's up. I know what it needs. And so, yeah, I would say that after I'd say a name, I'd hear the roll turn. Say oh, the wow. name, i hear the big pallet fall over. You know, so it just kept on. And then finally, it was a storming out. I don't know why a lot of spooks and spirits can move freely. Or, I don't know how it works, but around storms, you'll notice more of this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And it was one of these nights, and same thing, uh, they come in late. And I'm late getting out there, and they pick me up, and, hey, uh, our daughter needs to use the bathroom. I'm running over to the bathroom right here. Just run in there real quick, okay? And so they go in, and something's jiggling at the door. It's not me. I'm helping the last customer just load out a few things while they run back to the bathroom. And it's not me jiggling on that door. Finally, she sees fingers reach under the door, and, like, it's trying to pull it. That stops. Like, what the hell? She said she's get. That's when she got scared and she just quit using the bathroom. Got my daughter ready and they start coming out. And I said, she goes, wait, wait, her daughter's pants ain't even up all the way, so she's trying to fix her pants. And that's when my daughter looks behind her down that one dark aisle, and she said, "Mommy, there's that nanny." That's what she used to call bad screaming on nanny. Yeah. So, anyways, that right there, when it was messing with my life and I'm scaring him in that bathroom. That's when I had it. So the very next day, I took my cedar and I took my sweet grass. You know, I waited. The end of the day, I, well, I called up to that office and I told him, "Look, man, I'm, if the smoke alarm goes off, don't worry about it. It's nothing, okay?" And I just told him, and I said, "What do you mean? Like, just don't worry about it. If it goes off, don't worry about it." And so I waited for everybody to leave, and I, I stayed there by myself. And it was dark outside, you know. And, I turned off every light in that whole place, man. Every light. And I looked at smudge just to his top. And we turned out all lights. And I just start praying. And I just start walking through that whole place. Every nook and cranny I could get that smudge waved into. Praying the whole time. Asking not to see to take that spear home and to clean this area. 
and keep pity on us down here. I just kept going through that whole place doing that. And when I got to that other side over there, and I walked down that one aisle, whatever it was, it was there. I don't think I know what it was, but he was there. And he was, I don't know why he was doing it, but he was trying to make me scared. Because I could feel it. It was a hit. I was being hit with that, that fear. When, when they do that to you, you know, that's that thing that makes people just run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get so scared they just run when they do that. But it was hitting me, and I could feel it. Wave after wave. And I just stood there. I stopped right there. And I just prayed as hard as I could right then and there. And I asked from the bottom of my heart just to take it, to take him over. Take him away from all this. You know, I really asked because I never thought bad that he's in all that suffering like that. Jesus, take him home. I get my attention. And that's kind of how it seemed. So that's what I did. And after that, nothing ever happened to me. Nothing. Nothing. Got rid of that. That's the way we're taught to do it. You said something in there that caught my attention. You said he chose to appear as this black shadow or whatever, is the idea that the spirits can choose to appear in multiple forms, like they can choose to appear in different ways. Yep. Yeah. Some of them, like, what do they call them? Doppelgangers? People call them, I call them liars because they, they ain't showing what they really are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I don't know why they do that. But yeah, they can kind of do what they want for the most part, you know. Which goes into my next one, I guess. Is now this one's a dream, but you know, my grandpa he passed on, but when he came back to me in his dream, he looked like a like a like a star <laughs> or like a light. But yeah, he came to me in, a, in my dream. I was at a job, and I, across this field, I could see a light coming. And for some reason, I just knew it was him. I looked at him for a while because I was curious to see how he looked now. And, Seen that light coming across that field, put my head back down, I look at it anymore. I already knew what it looked like, so I just want to be respectful, I don't want to stare mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Sure. So I put my head down and come behind me when it come into that house, come right through that wall. Come right through that wall and come right behind me like that. And it's like warmth. I also describe it like if you could feel love like sun rays, I guess. I don't know. But I could feel the swamp come in, and, and I said, uh, I have this old pair of tin snips, and they were his. You know, I said, Grandpa, do you know I take you with me on every job I go to? And he said, yeah, yeah, I know. I said, well, I said, how is everything? How is everybody over there? Oh, we're good. Everybody's good. I said, well... How's Grandma? So she's good. She just got back. And I said, oh, I didn't ask. And then I, I was thinking about my dogs. I said, well, well, how's Peanuts and Chopper doing? Oh, they're good, too. That's all he'd say. And, well, that, that was the whole thing. That was the whole dream. From that, I just sat straight up. Oh, wow. And Grandpa came. To see you. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like and, and that's another way they come is in your dreams. And you'll know, and you'll know one of those dreams from a different one. like 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 a regular old say daydream. You know, like they say like when you fall asleep during noon lunch or something. 
right. that's a daydream. Don't, those really don't have much to do with much. But a lot of times they say it's at night and they come in and they, you know, rock you and do things. Another one of these things was in that Indian school I was talking about, Chmawa. Uh, that's the first time I ever got visited by one of those little people. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy now because that one paralyzed me and it sat on my friend's pillow. That friend's pillow I sat on, I don't know if there's anything to do with anything, but he's, he passed away young. And he was sitting over there on his bed, on, just on that pillow. Anyways, so this, this is how it went that day. My matron was telling us, you guys got to go down to that gym. They're having a mandatory powwow down there. Or they're having a powwow, and we need mandatory participation, blah, blah, blah. We didn't want to do it. And I said, all right, well, because my room was right next to the matrons. You know, I get in trouble, so they put me right there. So <laughs> as hell, <laughs> they keep an eye on me. Every, you know, come, come and wake me up when this, you know, we have to go down. Yeah, I will. So I fell asleep right there. She's like, so you know, I, I come to, and all I remember, like, when I'm coming to is walking. This, there's trees on either side of me, and green leaves. And it's, it's kind of like summer. But there's this light, like, all around. It's, like, kind of bright. Like, I don't know how to say it. It doesn't look like, I don't know, there's, this, like, sunlight is kind of the way I can describe it is how it looks. But it's round. Like uh, almost like a doorway, but it's not. It's just like the natural form of the trees look on this little path. I walked on that path with this guy for a long time. When we stopped, it's usually talking to him for a long time. And when we talked, I had a really good feeling about him. It was really nice. You know, it felt really good inside of me. But that's what I remember was that, that green trees. And that's all I remember about where, whatever he did, wherever I was at with him. But he was right next to me on the outside. Telling me things, and as soon as I was coming back, because that's what I remember, and I was coming back, and I was telling him in Indian. First I said it in Indian, then I said it in English. Let me up. I, I, I gotta take a piss. <laughs> Those are my words. And uh, that's when I felt him, and I, uh, he let me move. Oh, I already knew he was there, or was, you know, because I was just walking with him, he had me walking in this place. So anyways, uh, so uh, I'm gonna look. I tried looking toward him. Just like blurred my vision just over him, and then pushed my eyes back straight to looking up at the top bunk. I'm like, how? Wait a minute now. How did he? Okay. So again, I built up just a little more willpower, and I made my eye look, and I seen his leg. <laughs> it was really dark, like like a full blood Indian dark, and it was small, but. Jeez, I don't know, like a baby leg almost, honestly, because it was a little chubby, but it was small, like mm. real small. And then it had like a pair of trunks, if you will, but they were, it was made out of a red fabric. It reminded me of that fabric we use when we put up prey ties and, the, and it's tied around trees and that's what we offer to the spirits of spurs. It looked like the, like dress goods is what it looked like on it, right there on him. Anyways, sitting like that and, Finally, I thought, well, because he pushed my head back a little further this time and blurred a little more of my vision. And I was thinking uh, I could barely mumble. Uh, I was trying to say, just let me up. I just could use the bathroom is all. And yeah, I was trying to get that to him, but he wouldn't. And finally, I was just getting ready to move that third time. He said, all right, I'm going to have to make myself get up then. I didn't know how, but I was going to try again. So then I just sat right up. 
What the hell? I was looking all over for him. And I looked at that window was open right there. Hmm. He went out that window. I looked all over for him. And I couldn't find him. And then I go open that door. Just everybody's at that door. I'm the only one in there. So I left. And I went to the power. <laughs> yeah, that was the first little person that was around me. Did you only see his legs? Yeah, just his legs. But he talked in them. It was really dark. And it was small. Like a baby. I think as tall as a baby. And he was different. He wasn't. Like the other one I seen, the other one I seen was like a shadow. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Steve Berg, Micah Hanks, John Tinney, Adam Gorightly, Tim Banal, Christopher Ernst, Samantha Engel, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Melody Blackthorne, Dr. Future, Soraya Askath, Timothy Ritter, Aaron Gullius, Delaney Bowers, Olaf Phillips, and David Metcalf. With workshops by Kiki Dombrowski, Ren Collier, and Michael Hughes. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. We'll have more stories from Ron next week. Stop back for that. I want to thank Ron for sharing his stories with us. And I want to thank Alex. He was in the Uari's episodes with the uh, the Bigfoot encounters in the Uari's. He sent me a book, Ghost Tales of the Uari's. I'm excited to read it. I'm all about the folklore from all over the country. I love folklore books. So thanks so much, Alex. And behind the scenes, there was some difficulty with pulling this Halloween curiosity out of nowhere. There was no difficulty. Mm-hmm. Allison had guaranteed that she could come up with Halloween curiosities for all of October. And I said, I only have the view. And she said, I got it. We have a ton of Halloween stuff. And I asked her before we started, what are you doing for the uh, curiosity? You promised a month full of Halloween stuff. She immediately started backpedaling. Can it be Halloween-like? Can it be Halloween-ish? Like, I don't, you know, it can be whatever. I'm just saying, you promised the month full of Halloween curiosities. And here we are. You delivered. I delivered. You did deliver. You can't get much more Halloween-y than a Halloween postcard with black cats. Two black cats. Merry Halloween. It says, this is a postcard from, I was hoping there'd be a copyright on it. It's divided back, Allison. On the front, that says the artwork has a copyright date of 1908. On the front, the artwork has a copyright date of 1908. It is not in pristine condition. It is not. Nor am I. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty cool because it has this little cutout area. The jack-o'-lantern actually has, it's like embossed and you can actually kind of feel like a little cutout area. As if, as if you could run your 
fingers over the the jack o' lanterns. Oh yeah, spaces. interesting. Oh yeah, has a hurt edge and kind of a bent middle. But still a Halloween postcard, which are sought after by collectors. I will put an image of this in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week. I believe the last two Halloween stereo views we did from the two previous weeks are still available. And Allison will be under intense pressure to finish out the month with Halloween curiosities. I can do it. <laughs> well, in the dark t-shirts, we still have every size, small through 3X. I think there might be one or two 3Xs left. So if you're a large size, you want to grab one of those quickly. They are available at our Etsy shop. We have the classic blue, Strange Familiars, Awoken Tree t-shirts as well. I think we have all sizes, small through 3X, and that right now as well. So you can get those at our Etsy shop, as well as my books, artwork, prints and originals, Strange Familiar stickers and patches. Some of my music is there. Allison has a lot of old photos up there and more. Check it out. Again, our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up. While you're on Etsy, check out Chad Shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. Check out our friends at Karmic Garden. Allison, do you have anything to add? Oh, there's a million people I wanted to thank, including um, we got to see Diane, who was on one of the episodes. She was the baby that was left on the porch. Yes, the foundling. The foundling. Old friends, Holly. I got to see her. I was just happy to see so many people that I hadn't seen in a while and was able to give people hugs, and it was nice. There's a lot of people I got to talk to about Echo and the Bunnymen with. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice, nice to meet people, and I wanted to say thank you to everybody that came up and said hello. It was a great and chilly day. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, give us a follow, and you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.